If you have your Bibles, uh, electronic or otherwise, uh, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians chapter uh, 5. So Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to get to that in just a little bit as we jump into this thing. One of my uh, favorite things about uh, the Christian life is the hope that we have. And no matter where we are in life, no matter what we've done, no matter what led us to where we are, when we start right here looking forward and we are locked arm in arms with the Lord, then there is hope for the rest of our life. And, and we're going to be launching into this series today that I'm really excited about called My Life Story. And I love the graphic here because you can see it's still loading like we're not done yet. And so, so there are pages of your life story that are still blank, that they are unwritten. So we still have an opportunity to change our life story starting today. Wayne Dyer said this. He said, our lives are the sum of the decisions we make. Which means your life today is a result of the decisions that you have made thus far. Which means that the decisions you make today will impact the stories that you get to tell about your life tomorrow. And what I love about all of this is that our story is not over. It's not too late to change the story that you one day will be able to tell. Regardless of what you've already done or regardless of what you wish you hadn't done. Your future is still unwritten. You still have a difference to make. You still have friends to meet. You still have more to do. You still have God, more of God's goodnesses to experience. And with God's help, you can start today transforming your story. So this series that we're jumping into, My Life Story, this series that we're jumping into is for anybody who would like to make a change like yeah from here i would like to change my life or maybe it's for for somebody who would like their life to actually start reflecting what they say they believe let that sink in for a second we have a lot of professional church attenders don't we but we have very few christ followers because if, if you were a Christ follower, rather than just a professional church attender, you would leave here and wouldn't get mad at somebody who took your parking spot at Walmart. That's what I'm saying. So, like, maybe, maybe we want to, maybe, maybe this series is for somebody who just wants to feel like their Christian life is actually authentic. Like, Christ is making a difference on Monday, like I have a Monday faith instead of just a Sunday faith and a Tuesday faith and so on. And maybe you're just somebody where you're like, you know what, Eric, I just want my life to matter. Like I'm just at that part of my life where we're looking back on, on however old I am. I just realized that that eternity is coming upon me here and I want my life to matter you know, I've been working this job, or I've raised my kids, or I'm about to, or I've got my future ahead of me, and I just want to make sure that from this point on, I want my life to matter the most. So that's what I'm excited about here. Ephesians chapter 5. Paul is addressing, by the way, 
in the church of Ephesus. It was a church he started. And so he's, he's writing this letter to people who follow Jesus. These are, these are Christians. These are believers. And he puts them in two different categories here. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, he says this, See then that you walk circumspectly. I love that word in the King James, but really it just means with purpose, carefully. So make sure that you're walking carefully, with intention, not as fools, but as wise. There's your two categories, all right? You've got foolish people and wise people. You have unwise people. Maybe that's more politically correct. Unwise people and wise people. Redeeming the time. In other words, making the most out of every day. Because the days are evil. This is, this is the key here, verse 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, faultless. That's what that means. Think about that. You just go through your day, and you don't really think about where your life is going. And then he says this. So like if you're wise, here's what that looks like. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. That's wise. Understanding what the will of the Lord is. You mean you can know that? Yes. And this is what's so exciting. So if our decisions are so important because they form our life story and the story we're going to tell, let's not be foolish and live a life full of wasted days. Let's understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, what Paul is saying here is that decisions matter. Our decisions matter. And I'll say this, because they become the stories that we tell. God, interestingly, says very little about specifics when it comes to your future. Like what job you're going to have or what career path you should take. God says very little about specifics. But he has a lot to say about how we are supposed to live today. And as I mentioned earlier, we want big answers. Like we want to know our career path. We want to know who I should marry. We want to know where I should work or whether I should buy the. That's the big questions that we, we, we rub the lamp. Hoping that God will pop out. And give us divine direction for this big decision in our life. God rarely does that. Okay? But what God does do is he gives us direction for how to live our life every day. And here's what's awesome is that if you do well living your life every day, it's amazing how you end up at the right place. For instance, Psalm 119, 105. David says this. He says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So let me give you a little bit of a word picture here. And when this was written, they used oil lamps and they literally had a lamp that went down to their feet. They would hold it on a rope, I don't know, leather strap, something like that. And they would hold it down here by where their feet were going and they could only see a few steps ahead. Like if it was really dark outside, they could only see a few steps ahead of them. And David said, that's what your word is to me, God. It doesn't, it's not like a high beam that shows me a couple football fields down the path. It shows me what my next couple of steps are. But here's what's amazing. If you focus on the next couple of steps that God wants you to take, you end up in the right place. How awesome is that? 
So it's not like we have to worry about all of the big decisions when our little decisions are done well. So here's, here's where I'm going with this, right? So what does God care about? So starting today, so let's just say all the decisions you've made in the past bring you to where you are today, and now we have a decision to make. From here, Eric, what, what seems important to God? What does God care about? Now, there's a lot of things, okay? And this is going to seem like an oversimplification. But I, what, what I'm hoping to do is get your brain in gear. Because I think if, if we boil it down to these two things that I really believe that God cares about, what will happen is then the decisions that you make will become those that honor him and lead you in the direction you're supposed to go. So, so what does God care about? God cares about this. Who, first of all, who you are becoming. Now, Eric, how does that help? How does that help me make better decisions? How does that help me write a better story? Well, when you become who you are created to be, you will do what you're created to do. Just let that sink in a little bit. God is more concerned, and this, is, this was hard for me to write, but God is more concerned with who you are becoming than what you are doing. And let me tell you why that was hard for me to write. Because I like to do. In other words, if I read all these chapters in my Bible, then God's happy with me, right? If I give generously, then God's happy with me. If I find a place of service, God's happy with me. I'm sure that that's all good stuff. But if I'm not becoming who he wants me to become then it doesn't have the effect that it ought to have. God is more concerned about me becoming who I'm supposed to be and then me doing what I'm supposed to do as a result of that. I hope that makes sense because it does up here. Let me make it simple, okay? Focus on the who, not the do. Focus, took me a long time to come up with that. I hope you appreciate it. Focus on the who, not the do. Okay, for, like I could be a great communicator. Like I could, I could be a great pastor. That was a beautiful opportunity right there, all right? I mean, for, I mean, I, do you notice how long I paused? I was like, I left it right out there. The invitation was open. So like if I, I could be like this, this really great, but if my kids have no respect for me because they know who I really am at home, God's not going to be happy with that, right? If I, if I am super successful at what I do for a living, but my wife can't stand me because I'm not a good husband, like I'm not treating her the way God wants me to treat my wife, what good does it do? I need to be who God wants me to be becoming and focus on being who God wants me to be one of the most moving scenes in any movie I've ever seen in Saving Private Ryan when the man is standing at the graveside at the end of the movie and he looks down and he looks at his family and he says, tell me I'm a good man. Tell me I'm a good man. That's my heart's desire is I want my family to think I'm a good man. 
I want God to think I'm becoming who he wants me to be. And that's where my focus ought to be is becoming who God wants me to be. The Bible never talks about what God's will is for your career. But it does say a lot about us being called to be like Jesus. Do you have integrity? Are you honest? Do you pay your bills on time? Are you behaving like a believer? Are you set apart? Are you working on righteousness, holiness? Are you different, like in a good way? Let me put it this way. If you are becoming the right who, you will choose the right do. Right? And, and so, so I said earlier, when you become who you're created to be, you will do what you're created to do. I'll take that a step further. When you do what you're created to do, then you'll go where you're supposed to go. So here we are wanting to know all the answers to these big questions in our life so we can get all of our chapter titles outlined. And God just wants you to be back here becoming who you're supposed to be, like Jesus. Be honest. Be good. One another, each other well. The greatest of these is love. Be grace-filled. Treat each other nice. I mean... Eric, that seems really basic, right? Right? So, so then why aren't you? Because simple doesn't mean easy. That's why. It's not complicated. The will of God is not hard if you focus on who you are supposed to be becoming. Because here's the truth. We already know much more than we're doing. Right? Right? So it's not like you need more information (laughs) about what God wants you to do. We need to start doing what we already know God's told us to do. So instead of asking, what does God want me to do? Maybe I should say, who does God want me to become? Should I take this job? Should I marry that person? Should I buy this house? I don't know. But you should be faithful to Christ. God's will is more about who you are than what you do. So so first of all, I think God cares about who you are becoming. Second of all, I think, and there's only two points. Second of all, I think it's important to God why you are doing. And I have, so this, this, there's tension in my heart about this. Because here's, here's, here's the pragmatic Eric that comes out. The pragmatic Eric is, it still has to get done. Even if your why is wrong, right? If your why is wrong, it still needs to get done. I don't sit outside of my porch going, I wonder if I have the right motive for mowing my grass today. I don't feel inspired. I don't, I don't know that I'm going to bring honor and glory to Christ by mowing my lawn today. I just do it, Right? So there, there, there's this pragmatic part of me that, that, that pushes against what I'm about to tell you. But why you do what you do matters. Example that maybe you can relate to, you bring flowers home to your wife. After the initial, aw, there's the, 
Why? And what that means is, do you just love me that much? (laughs) Or is there something you need to tell me? Right? Because motives matter, right? And and, and where we're going with all of this is going to make a big difference, right? So what I'm saying is when we do what we do for God, it makes a difference why we're doing it. Jesus blasted the Pharisees all the time. But it wasn't because they weren't doing stuff, right? He said, you're doing stuff, but you're doing it because you just want to be seen of men. You just want everyone to notice what you're doing. Motives matter. So here's what I'm saying. If you're driven by the right why, God will lead you to the right what? Eric, I want to I wanna start today. I want to rewrite my story. I, want, I, want, I can't change my past, but man, with God's help, I've got a bunch of blank pages here that are, that are completely unwritten, and I want to start making good decisions in my life. All right, focus on becoming who God wants you to be. And then focus on why you are doing what you're doing, and then you'll start doing the right thing. Should I buy this car? I don't know. Why do you need to buy this particular car? Are you buying this car with money you don't have to impress people that you don't like? It's probably not a good idea to buy that car. Should I post this photo? Why are you posting that photo? Are you posting that photo to honor Christ? Or are you posting that photo to draw attention to yourself? Are you doing what you're doing to impress other people? Are you doing what you're doing to just validate yourself? Are you doing what you're doing so that other people will envy you? Those are all poor reasons to do what you do. So I would say if that's the why, then don't do it. Colossians, another book that Paul wrote to another church, this one in Colossae, again to believers, And I love the context here. So in Colossians chapter 3, he's writing to them and he's talking about how they get along with each other. And then he talks about encouraging one another with with songs and and, and hymns and all this good kind of stuff. And then he says this. He says this in Colossians chapter 3 verse 17. He says, and whatsoever you do. That's a pretty big whatever, right? Whatsoever you do, do it. um, And whatsoever in word or deed. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. That's a really great, clear guideline. Everything that we do, whether we say it or do it, needs to be to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's what's great. We're going to jump down a few verses here, verses 23 and 24, same chapter. Between verse 17 and verse 23, he changes his audience Still talking to the church of Colossae, but now he is, he is talking to slaves who were part of the church. So you have slaves who are in the church, and he's telling them how to treat their masters. Get it, man? So, so you think your boss is a jerk. Here's what he's telling these slaves about how to work and serve their masters. He said this. He said, and whatsoever you do, 
do it heartily, that's a great word, that means your very best effort from the bottom of your soul, as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord you shall receive a reward of the inheritance. And then I underline this, look at this. Why? Because you serve the Lord Christ. You're not serving your master. You're serving Jesus. That's the why. Let that sink in, please. So whatever you are doing in your life, if you sell real estate, if you bag groceries, if you deliver pizza, if you sit in the boardroom, if you write checks, whatever you do for a living, you view that as service to Jesus Christ. And it changes the quality of your work. Whatever you do, wherever you do it, and whoever you do it for, serve Jesus there. Become the best version of yourself in every area of your life in order to honor Christ in all that you do. If you're a fry cook, make the best fries in the world. If you flip pancakes, they ought to be the best. If you're a stay-at-home mom, be the best mom you can so those kids will love Jesus. That's what I'm saying. Wherever you are called to serve, serve Jesus there. Do, become the best version of yourself. All right, let me put it this way. Do what you do to point others to Jesus. In the office, right? Do what you do to point others to Jesus. There's the why. So, serve others like you would serve Christ. So, as, as a review, if you are becoming the right who, <laughs> you'll choose the right do. And if you're driven by the, white, the right why, God will lead you to the right what? We want to think that a few big decisions make all the difference. And I'm not saying that they don't make a difference. But it's mostly a lot of small, good decisions in your personal life that nobody ever sees that make all the difference. A successful career is usually not the result of just one big decision, but many, many good decisions made throughout a lifetime. It's like the difference between a lottery retirement plan and actually saving for retirement. Right, the chances of you actually being able to finance your retirement through the lottery is like slim to none. But if you spent 20 bucks a week on the lottery, you'd probably end up with nothing statistically. But if you save 20 bucks a week for 40 years at 6% interest, you have almost $200,000. Now, I know that that's not enough to retire on. But you just won the lottery, right? 200 grand, I'd take it. It's a matter of, of the same investment, just small investments over a long period of time. And when you make consistently good decisions in your life, as small as they might be, it's amazing how you put yourself in a position where God can lead you where you need to go. 
I was 18 years of age. I'd gone to a one-year Bible college in upstate New York. I'd graduated by the skin of my teeth. Ended up going back home to Florida, living with my mom and dad because I wasn't sure what God wanted me to do next. I knew that God wanted me to do something ministry-related. I wanted, I'd already given God my life. I just said, do whatever you want to with it. But I didn't know what my next step was. And so we were part of a little church. And uh, it just made sense to me to serve God where I was. And so as an 18-year-old teenager, fresh out of one year of college, I uh, worked at Firestone, changed tires and oil, started a little mowing business on the weekends. I'd mow lawns and make money in Florida. And I just started teaching the Sunday school class in my little church and singing songs and all that kind of stuff. And, and some gal heard me singing. And she came up to me after the service and said, hey, I think that you need to go try out for this college up in Jacksonville, Florida called Trinity Baptist College. I'd never heard of Trinity Baptist College. She said, they give you a scholarship for singing. I'm like, I'm there. So I went and tried out. I made it. So I joined their singing team. A couple years later, I was introduced to Melissa. She became my wife. All because Diane stopped me after a service and talked to me about going and trying out for a singing team because I was doing my best to serve God where I was and I didn't know what else I was going to do. I'm saying it's not the big decisions. It's the little things that you do to put yourself in a position to be where God can use you and speak to you. And looking back, it's like, wow, that was a significant moment in my life. A gentleman asked my dad, hey, um, 1976, I'm going to go hear this preacher. You want to come? My dad's like, sure. So we go and we go into a Kmart parking lot. They got this big old white tent set up. And I asked my dad if I could go. He said, sure, I guess. And I'll go and I am sitting in these wood slat folding chairs in the Kmart parking lot in Alabama. And the pastor, the, the preacher was an evangelist that just went around and he, he preached and, and, and presented the gospel. And that night he scared the hell out of this nine-year-old boy. I said that because I only get to say that once in a while. He literally scared the hell out of me because I went forward that night and received Christ and trusted him to save me. It was just one of those things, like I was in the right place at the right time, and I look back at that as a significant moment in my life. And I don't know, as you look back on your life, where those moments are going to be. But if you do what you're supposed to be doing and becoming who you're supposed to be, it's amazing how that happens. In his book, The Principle of the Path, Andy Stanley said this, it is our direction not our intention that determines our destination. I would love to encourage you this morning to do the little things consistently in your life that will make a big difference so that you have a great story to tell. Become who you already know God wants you to become. And do whatever you do to point people to Jesus. And if we can start 
today doing that, it'll make a big difference in your story that we call your life. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we are excited about the fact that you even want to be involved in our story, that you even have an opinion about the decisions that we make. And I pray, Father, you would just help us to live in accordance with your will for our life in the everyday. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.